First of all, the file got manipulated by my payroll HR prior to uploading into our system. They were a client of ours for 12 years. Michael Mann purchased it, I think, about six years ago. Had a great relationship with him, never had any problems. So there was not an alarm when he manipulated that account number. This was something that we just could not foresee. This was our client. So Blake, I have a special guest interview for us right now. So we have Wendy Slavkin. She is the attorney for Cachet. They are the ACH money movement company that was involved with the My Payroll HR fiasco mess. I don't know what, Wendy, what would you say is the best way to describe this at this point? Uh, first of all, I'm general counsel for Cachet. We have many attorneys, but I'm the general counsel. I've kind of been overseeing all of this. Um, how would I describe it? I would I would describe it as from our end a twenty six million dollar fraud. So I imagine your last twenty one days or twenty days have been a little insane. Did you want to walk Blake and I kind of through that, and then we'll uh, ask any clarifying questions along the way? Maybe can I give you a little background about my client and yeah, absolutely. how they yeah. kind of played into this whole disaster? Um, Cache Financial Services is a company located in Pasadena, California been around for 22 years. And one of the things we do is we get involved in the movement of money through the ACH, the Automatic Clearinghouse System. Our clients are hundreds of payroll processors all across the country, much like this particular one we're dealing with, My Payroll HR. So typically what we do is we enter into an agreement. We call it a remarketer agreement, but it's kind of like a third-party vendor agreement with different payroll processing companies. These payroll processing companies, you know, back in back in the old days or the 1990s, as I like to call it, you know, they printed hard checks, you know, paper checks that they would typically mail or messenger deliver to different um, employers for their payroll. Now, nowadays, a lot of employers are going the way of direct deposits, meaning they deposit the money directly into the employee's account, and we're doing away with paper checks. These Payroll processors, for the most part, are unable to do the direct deposits themselves. They're just not set up. They don't have the proper licensing and facilities and bank relationships. So they'll enter into an agreement with somebody like us, like Cache Financial Services, to do the direct deposit part of it. So we're, we're in a sense, like a third-party vendor for these payroll processors. Got it. So so me as a payroll processor, I have my expertise, which is calculating paychecks, right? having relationships with small businesses, but you do all the money movement and the bank relationships on the back-end side. Exactly. What most people don't understand is the ACH process is a two-step process. So the first step is the collection step. So typically what will happen is, employers will, will go into whoever their pay, say in this case, my payroll HR system, they'll upload all the information for the payroll for their various employees. They upload that into my payroll HR system. My payroll HR, in turn, will upload a file into our system, cache system, that may contain various and, and many different employers with their employee information. So the collection part of the first step is that the file that my payroll HR sends to us will say, take money out of ABCDEFG employer and take money out of their accounts to be used for payroll. So that's the first step, the collection step. And when it goes the way it's supposed to go, 
is we will then cache, and it's all done electronically. It's not like there's somebody sitting in front of the computer watching this, all these numbers go by. It's all done electronically through our, our patented system. So our system will then take the money out of the employer's accounts. And the way it's supposed to go is we move it into what we call our settlement account or a holding account, if you like. So all the employer's money would be moved into that one account. That's if it goes the way it's supposed to go. The second step to this ACH process is disbursement. So that file that my payroll HR uploaded into our system would say, okay, now you have all this employee money, direct the money to these various employees across the country. That would be the disbursement. And that's how the employees would get their direct deposit. That's how it's supposed to work. Are you with me so far? Help me understand. I, I've heard about a file. What sort of file are we talking about? What is it? It's a huge computer electronic file. We sometimes call it a batch file, mm-hmm. but it's got all kinds of information in it that my payroll HR or any payroll processor would upload into our system that contains the payroll for their that particular payroll processor's employers. And then the second part, again, the disbursement would be, okay, so all that money is now in our holding, our settlement account. And what we're going to do with that is we're going to follow the second part of that file that was uploaded and put it into all these employee accounts. Mm-hmm. That's how it's supposed to work. What happened and, here? In these files, like if I if I'm using Cache as my um, ACH service provider today, mm-hmm. and next year I get a new contract with a new company, do I just use the same file, or do I have to no. create new files no. to their you, standards? You would have to create new files to their standards. We provide gotcha. the payroll processor with specifications, Comspex. And those specifications say, you know, this is how it has to look. This is our settlement account where the money has to go, okay? So every every ACH provider has their own patented system. If you recall, there was another, one of our competitors was involved in this mess, uh, NatPay. NatPay has their own patented proprietary system, and they were able to do the same thing to NatPay system that they did to our system, which I'm just about to explain to you. And when we say NatPay, NatPay was handling the taxes, tax deposit for my payroll HR. For my payroll HR's employers, right? Their quarterly tax payments or whatever. Okay. We do that too. Cache does that too, but we weren't contracted. We didn't have a contract with my payroll HR to do that part of it. NatPay had that contract. I understand. Although we do that for other, other employers, other payroll processors, I should say. So what happened in this case is when... Before my payroll HR uploaded the file into our system, remember I talked about the specifications that are required for, mm-hmm. for, for, the, uh, for the payroll processor to upload the file? They went in and manipulated the account numbers so that instead of the money going into our settlement account, it went into it was diverted to a different account at my payroll HR's bank, which is Pioneer Bank, and that was controlled by my payroll HR. So our system went and gathered all the money from the employers. Instead of it being moved into our settlement account, it was diverted into an account controlled by my payroll HR at Pioneer Bank. And that's where the glitch happened. So when our system went to find the money to pay to these employees, it saw there was no no money in our settlement account, and it kind of like, I guess, follows the money. I don't know exactly how it works, but it's the program is set up. So it found the money in this account at Pioneer Bank, and it went to grab that money to pay all these employees across the country. And that account came back as frozen. 
Oh, but in the meantime, mm-hmm. you, Cache is starting to put money into employees' bank accounts all over the country. Right. It, 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 it kind of happens a little bit simultaneously. So this was two weeks ago, actually today, Cache got in the office and found out this bank account came up frozen and we were $26 million in the hole. Negative $26 million balance in that settlement account. Right. Okay. So because we get because we cache guarantee these ACH transactions, our bank requires us to do that. So when that bank account came back as frozen, it went ahead and advanced the money into all these employees' accounts across the country, but it was cache's money that was using to fund that payroll. So what happened is because it was our money and we have no obligation to make payroll for these 400 plus employers or 1,000 employers across the country, we went ahead and we initiated what's called a reversal file as part of our fraud protocol. So that, because we, to get the money back from the employees, because it was our money, it wasn't employer money. The first reversal file that was created was done improperly. It didn't comply with, with the protocol necessary to do a reversal file. We assumed that the banks, the receiving banks, which would be the employee banks, would automatically reject that reversal file because it was improperly formatted. The bank should have automatically rejected that first reversal file. Because we assumed the banks would do that, we created a second reversal file. So what happened is then on a week ago Monday, that's when all hell broke loose, so to speak, and all these employees' accounts we're not only being debited for the direct deposit they received from us, but a second time as well. So if there was $500 put in their account for that direct payroll, they were getting debited $1,000. When we found out what was happening, we contacted our bank and had our bank reach out to all these receiving banks, more than 100 banks, receiving banks being the employee banks, and personally instruct them to reject both reversal files and put the money back in the employee accounts. But but this is all electronic and it's happening very fast. So by the time you realize these things like Right. And you're you're manually contacting, I'm assuming by telephone and email, 100 banks. Our bank reached out to all these banks by telephone, fax, email however they could that instructed them to reject both reversal files. Now, something that's little known in the banking industry is when a bank receives a reversal file, they actually have 60 days to accept or reject it. So in other words, when an employee when employ, when a bank for an employee an employee's bank receives a reversal file, they may conditionally accept it. But that doesn't mean they're sending the money back to us. They they never sent no no bank has yet sent money back to us to cachet. They conditionally accept it. They in a sense put a hold on that money. So when they got the second reversal file, they put a hold on another another amount of money. But it doesn't mean that they sent the money to us. They just put a hold on it. And, and by law, they have 60 days to decide, well, are they going to go into accept the reversal or reject it? So even though they conditionally accepted these, it doesn't mean that ultimately it would have been accepted. OK, the first one ultimately would have definitely been rejected. And why we had our bank reach out a week ago Monday was to make sure that both reversal files were rejected and the employees would get their money back. We saw the you know, we saw the extreme heartache this was causing on all these employees. So we made the decision, we're just going to let them keep their money, even though it's our money. So in effect, we funded the payroll for and paid 8,200 and some odd employees across the country. 
we would try to get the money back from Pioneer Bank and other other sources. So it's September 18th right now. Have all of the employees been made whole at this point? Do they all have their payroll and those reversals canceled? From what I've been told, not every employee, the majority of employees have been made whole. The ones that haven't been made whole, I've gotten calls from some of them. My clients gotten calls. Um, We've instructed them to talk to their bank to see what's the delay in getting the money back. Uh, If their bank doesn't cooperate, I've been referring them to... um, an email uh, of a person at, at on our end that has been designated to handle all these and to try to interface with the banks to get that money back into their account as soon as possible. So I know the majority have been made whole. There's still some that haven't. And if they haven't been made whole, it's really their bank that's holding up the process. And understand a lot of times these smaller banks, they're going to hold on to the money as long as they can. They earn interest on that money. So they're sometimes a little more reluctant to to release the money than some of the major banks are. But I but I've been told that even in some cases, B of A and Chase Bank and isolated instances have been reluctant to release the money. Hopefully, they're in the process of doing so or will be doing so. Um, our goal is to make every employee whole, and that's what we've been working on to accomplish. And what about the overdraft fees, the bank fees? Uh, They could add up to hundreds of dollars for some of these employees. Right. Well, what we understand is that the banks are waiving those fees. That's what I've been told. I mean, there there must be hundreds of banks involved. All of the banks? From what I've been told, they are waiving those fees, and we're doing whatever we can to make sure they waive those fees. I was reading an article on Personnel Today that talks a little bit about the NACHA rules. So this is the way that all the banks move around money with ACH. The National Clearinghouse Association. Uh, and the federal government administers this thing. And that's what you guys are licensed with, or you have an account with them. Uh, or is that how it works? They're governed by the NACHA rules. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it's not that we do. We have a relationship with our bank and our bank is governed by those rules. So in this article, there's a statement from NACHA, which says, Quote, reversing a valid payroll deposit is not permitted under the NACHA rules that govern the ACH network. NACHA is investigating the responsible parties and is working with financial institutions to undo or remedy any invalid transactions. Yeah, I saw that article. So, I mean, is that the reason why Cache reversed its reversals? No, no, that's not. Okay. um, I don't necessarily agree with that. There's actually a recent case that came down that disputed that statement. I don't have a site for you. But I'm in the process mm-hmm. of finding out about it. We decided to reverse it because we saw the hardship it was causing to the employees, basically. I mean, I was getting calls and my client was getting calls. Of, you know, people couldn't pay their rent. They couldn't provide for their children. That's why we, why we decided to revert to have the banks reject those reversals. NACHA did not get involved in helping us. From what I understand, and this is... My my own understanding, there may be something more to this, but it was our bank that facilitated in getting these reversals rejected by the banks. So let's go back to this file and the process or the workflow by which these ACH transactions are initiated. Okay. So when the file was manipulated and uploaded, was did any alarm bells go off in the cache offices? Because it seems like this just got executed. And then only after this started to happen, was somebody alerted? Like, what are what are the controls in place to, to make sure that this doesn't happen? That's a great question. 
First of all, the file got manipulated by my payroll HR prior to uploading into our system. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just because we haven't talked about this yet, my payroll HR, you guys, has been a client of yours for how many years? Well, the, they were a client of ours for 12 years. Uh, Michael Mann, the guy who is the owner, purchased it, I think, about six years ago. Okay. Had a great relationship with him. Never had any problems, just like we've never had this happen uh, over the last 22 years. So there was not an alarm when he manipulated that account number. Trust me, there's been an update to our system. There is now an alarm. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, we are, I have to say, Cache is great about, we update our security protocols all the time. Our, mostly our our clients, our people have, have had their systems hacked and uh, cyber terrorism and the Russians and this and that. And we continuously update against, against our security protocols. This was something that we just could not foresee. This was our client. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the conversation, if you recall, I said, we have our own patented system and we didn't catch it. NatPay has a completely different system, their own patented system, and they didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. So it was something that was very extraordinary and out of anything anybody could foresee. History is our great lesson about protecting us in the future. So now we we have something in place that would prohibit a client from ever doing that again. I mean, it was kind of the farthest thing from our minds, because usually it's not the payroll processor, it's a third party who hacks into a payroll processor system. And we've been parties to those kind of situations, but never this where that where our own client decided that they were going to manipulate the system. Going forward, it will never happen again. I'll tell you that. History in this case has been our great teacher, but there was no nothing in effect that would have alerted us to it until what happened once they got to work a week ago Wednesday or two weeks ago today, I guess, and we found out that we were twenty six million deficit, and then we started looking at the system and you can you know print out the reports, and we were able to find out that they had manipulated the account numbers before they uploaded to our system to divert the money to Michael Mann's company's account at Pioneer Bank. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. So the money should be all sitting in an account at Pioneer Bank, right? Well, we, we hope so. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, as we say. Pioneer Bank has not been very... Uh, of course, we immediately called Pioneer Bank and they won't give out any information. It would be like me calling your bank and asking for information about your account. Unless you're a named account holder, the banks legally cannot give me out any information. And we see that well with accounts and bookkeepers. Like they have to, the, the owner of the business has to give the account or bookkeeper access. Exactly. And I'll go back to that in a second. But so the Pioneer Bank filed um, with, the, with the feds a form called an A8, I believe. And it disclosed that they had nine million, uh, excuse me, nineteen million dollars in that account that they had frozen. So we look at it as that nineteen million dollars is, in a sense, trust money because it was money that came from an employer for the purpose of paying payroll that Cache ended up paying. So that nineteen million belongs to us. So of course we are in the process of filing a lawsuit against my payroll HR, Michael Mann, and subpoena those bank records and trying to get that money back to us. Now, where the other seven million is, I don't know yet. We don't know what other accounts Michael Mann has there, what kind of assets we have there. Um, what I heard was that 
Pioneer Bank loaned Michael Mann a great deal of money, like over $30 million. And they suspected something fishy going on. So they just were trying to get us trying to put a hold on as much money as they could. But again, that money in that particular account does not belong to Pioneer Bank. Mm-hmm. It belongs to Cache. Um, so interestingly, we and I said to you, I'd get back to you on this. We um, when we got to work that and it was interesting that Michael, it was, it was very well planned because the payroll was right before the three day holiday, if you recall. So the chances of us finding out about it was going to be delayed today because banks were closed that Monday for Labor Day. So when we found out Wednesday, there was a slight delay because of the bank closure. And I think Michael Mann probably planned on that happening. Mm. Um, we immediately called Pioneer, uh, excuse me, we did call Pioneer Bank, wouldn't give us any information. We called My Payroll HR and tried to speak with Michael Mann. And we he, he wasn't available. We spoke, and I don't know who my client spoke with over there, but they couldn't give us any information. Michael Mann finally called us back that Wednesday That'd be two weeks ago, about 2.30 in the afternoon. He said, oh, it's all going to be, he reassured us everything was going to be fine. And our request was that he conference call us and his bank with him to give the bank permission to talk to us and tell us what had happened. Wait, so, sorry, sorry. Can, can we go back to the, like, uh, yeah, I want to make sure this is really clear in my head because I'm confused about the timeline. So so, so 2.30, right, it's Pacific for you? It was Wendy? 2.30, Yes. Which is East Coast five thirty, which means after the bank closed. after business hours. Okay. Exactly. So, don't you think it's interesting that he called us after the bank closed? So, so, I'm sorry. What set this off on Wednesday? Like, what was the like? Take me back to the beginning. Okay, we came to my clients came to work Wednesday morning, and they started getting notices, computer printouts that 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 what had happened that the account was frozen at Pioneer Bank. Oh, gotcha. And that and the system had looked to our account or, or our accounts. And us personally to underwrite that payroll. So the file got uploaded on uh, the third in the evening. Is that how how it happened? What day was it? It got uploaded before the three day holiday. What was the? Well, so there's there's it was before the third. Oh, it was before the third. Okay, so um, yeah, that's what my my point was was that so the um, that three day holiday, mm-hmm. the Labor Day holiday. Labor Day was the second of September. Right. So. so they must have uploaded at the end of the month, which would have been the 30th. Okay. I'm assuming that Friday, mm-hmm. Tuesday was a holiday. That was the second. I mean, Monday was a holiday. The right. second, we didn't find out till the morning of the fourth. Cause there's usually like a two day delay. Right. Whereas before we might've found out on the second or the, but we didn't cause the bank was closed or maybe the third. So there was a further delay. Oh, to the got board. it. So, cause there was two, it took two days for the money to go from the employer accounts into well, I don't know if it took two days for the money to go to the employer's accounts. It took two days for us to be notified that the account where the employer's money was was, was frozen. A, yeah, okay. Because when banks are closed, banks are closed, right? They, yeah, they don't send. They, they just gotten, don't operate. We, it's just uh, we it's might still. we might have gotten money notice late Tuesday night. You know, nobody was right. there. I don't know. Gotcha. But it was Wednesday morning that everything fell. Okay, apart. so Wednesday morning they come into the office, they they realize what has happened. Now now take me through on the the day on Wednesday. Okay. So we tried to contact the client, my payroll HR. My client I wasn't part of this conversation. They spoke with a couple people there who didn't know what was going on. Left a m- message from Michael Mann, who's the owner, is a sole shareholder to call us back. We also called Pioneer Bank who wouldn't release any information to us. Michael Mann finally called us back that afternoon, the uh, 4th, at about 2.30 our time, Western time. 
And it's interesting, he called us back after the banks closed on the East yes. Coast. So our main, you know, we had a couple, one, is this, is everything going to be okay? He assured us it would be. And then our main request was that we want you to get on the phone with your banker and us in a conference call so we can talk to the bank to find out exactly what's going on and why that money is being frozen. His response to us, and he was calling, I think, from a cell phone, and I was on the phone along with representatives from Cache, and his response was, I'll call you back in 10 or 15 minutes. Well, Needless to say, he never called back and we could never reach him again, despite attempts to reach him. Since that call, you have not been able to reach him two weeks later. We haven't spoken with him. I just read an article, I'm not sure if it maybe was the Wall Street Journal, that said that Michael Mann has an attorney and he's working with the U.S. Because the U.S. attorneys opened a case out in Albany, New York, along with the FBI back there, that he's working with the U.S. attorney uh, cooperating with him. I don't know what that means. I, I, I saw that, that article as well this morning. And but between this morning and your conversation with him, he pretty much fell at the face of the earth. Nobody could contact him. Nobody knew where he was. Right. Exactly. I had heard. So my conversation with him was Wednesday. By Thursday, if you recall that Thursday, if you recall, he uh, they posted something on their website, the company had closed its doors. And then Thursday afternoon, I heard as part of the rumor mill that he had fled the country. Then Friday morning, I had heard that he had been arrested. So, of course, I reached out to my FBI contact and the FBI, their response is we can neither confirm nor deny. He wouldn't tell me anything. You know, the FBI, they wanted a lot of information from us, but they were not so far have not been very uh, forthcoming in what they know. I feel like if he was in custody, that would be, we'd know about it at this point. Right. So then that's what we had heard, you know, kind of in the payroll industry rumor mill or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then I had spoken with a reporter that morning from Albany, and I don't remember who, this was Friday morning, and said, uh, you know, I heard he was arrested. Do you know if that's the case? Because she was back there. And she goes, I can tell you he hasn't been. And I said, well, how do you know that? And she said, because I know people who know him. And I said, really, can I have their names? (laughs) And she said, no. So then I figured, okay, he wasn't arrested yet. And then when I heard that, I don't know, was a day or two ago that his house had been raided, um, but they didn't arrest him. So I don't know. And, and if they, if he was there, it mentioned his wife being there. I don't know. You know, the, the FBI plays it very close to the vest. We, by the way, when, that Wednesday, two weeks ago, when this all happened, I reached out to the FBI office here in Westwood. You know where that is, Wilshire and Veteran, because I had this image that, you know, I told them what had happened and that they would, you know, immediately go to my clients' offices like the White Knights and want to help us. And that's not how it works. Apparently, they get a lot of crank calls. And they said to me, the only thing we can do is for you to arrange for a walk in interview on Friday. M- mind you, this was Wednesday, on Friday. And bring all the documents that we have. And I said, but you don't understand. This guy could leave the country. Aren't you going to do something? Well, we don't work that way. <laughs> and so they had to do a background check on me, on my client's representative. We ended up meeting with them Wednesday, met with a woman. Basically, it was, it, I thought it was going to be an interview. They, they call it an interview room, but basically it's like a, a plexiglass window and like you're at a bank and you're talking to her through that. She just happened to be the duty agent on call. I think she understood maybe 5% of what I was trying to explain her because it's a very complicated process. And unless you're involved in financial crimes, you really don't understand it. 
By that time, two other FBI agents had reached out to me, one from Boston and one from Pennsylvania, that apparently employers had reached out to them. So it lent a little bit of credibility to what I was telling her. You know, and my whole my message to her was, you know, I'm not I'm not telling you how to do your job, but I know the FBI has resources and is able to have things accomplished that I cannot. And if they do anything before the banks close today, Friday, please have somebody reach out to Pioneer Bank and tell them not to release any of that money. Yeah. So whether they did that or not, I I don't know. Um, I know that I sent a cease and desist letter to Pioneer Bank telling them not to release any of that money. And I have since also sent a similar letter to Bank of America because we found that Michael Mann has some accounts at Bank of America under different names that we thought might be involved in this in this fraud. So <laughs> there's so much going on here. <laughs> I know. I it's, know. It's, it's incredible. Um, I feel like this is like a true crime financial uh, financial exactly. true crime yeah. uh, episode yeah. right here of yeah. our show. Um, is there a little bit more background on Michael Mann? Yeah, so who is this he guy? purchased my payroll HR, but like I tried to Google for him. Like I went deep diving, deep diving, yeah. 10, 30, 40, 50 pages in. It's almost like it doesn't exist, and but he has another company apparently that owns my payroll HR. That company so is called, from what I know, that company is called ValueWise. Is that the name you came up with? Yes. yes. Yeah. So he ValueWise, I was told, and um, – uh, and our other attorneys who are working on this, I think it's like a parent company. He also own, they also go by the name of Cloud Payroll, and we've since found out a bunch of other entities that he has something to do with. There's a senior home care company, uh, a bunch of other companies that he. I don't know if they're shell companies. I don't know if they're valid companies. I mean, I've gotten calls from attorneys outside of California and inside California that represent people that factored some of Michael Mann's accounts with these other entities. I don't really know the extent of it. it you know, I thought the FBI, um, uh, when the story broke about the FBI raiding his house, that nobody has any pictures of him. They couldn't find any pictures of him. So I don't know really anything about him. I know that for six years, he's ran this company and everything has worked like clockwork. But apparently what we've learned after the fact is that, you know, the rumors start circulating that he had some big financial problems. So mm. all these other entities have come up that he's associated with. And I don't know how it all plays into this or not. I know that I really don't want to complicate this story more. Yeah. But um, what I understand is that is that he, you know, he's been, I think, moving money to different places that we don't know about. Let's talk about Pioneer Bank and their involvement in all this. You mentioned that you weren't able to get a hold of them back when this initial... Uh, it's, not that, it's not that we couldn't get a hold of them. They just wouldn't give us any information. So since the 5th, the 6th, right, the, when this all happened, have you been able to talk to Pioneer Bank? Have they given you any information? Are they, are they, are they helping, no. being helpful? No. They no. are, they're not helpful to us. Now, they may be – I'm assuming they're cooperating with the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office because they – and I think some of the reports even said that um, when they filed this A8 form, they noticed some sort of fraudulent occurrences in the account, and that's – they're claiming that's why they put a freeze on it. Mm -hmm. Whenever there's some sort of fraudulent activity at a bank, they have to disclose it, and they do that through – I think it's called an A8 form – 
or an 8A form. And that's where we found out that they're sitting on $19 million. In this SEC filing, Pioneer Bank reported that they were originated a loan to my payroll HR for $36 million. Right. And $16 million of that had already been provided. So, you know, going beyond like the- what did, you, what did you just say? I didn't understand what you just said. So they had originated a $36 million loan and $16 million had been provided. Had been paid? I, I don't know what that, what provided means yeah, exactly, but I'm guessing- either. I'm guessing that means that they had advanced the 16 million right. out of a potential 36 oh, okay. million. Okay, 36 million. Okay. So, like, I'm wondering. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is in my, what is going through Michael Mann's head? Like, what is the point of all this? Right? Why did he do it? We don't know where he is. Right? We still nobody knows. Seems to know, or maybe the FBI knows, but they're not telling us. But nobody knows where Michael Mann is. He well, could have. He could have been at his house when they raided it. We don't know that. Yeah, I feel like they would have arrested him, right? I, I mean, <laughs> and, and the interesting thing is this conversation, right? Like we're in this industry, right? It's very interesting to us. But CBS, uh, CBS's morning show, the um, host of that show, were asking that question: "Where is Michael?" Right. Mann? We, they were asking that this well. morning. Oh, they were yeah. asking that this morning. Yeah, I don't know where he is. I don't know if the FBI knows. I know that article in the Wall Street Journal said something that Michael Mann was cooperating with the U.S. attorney, which would indicate to me that the U.S. attorney or the FBI knows where he is, but we don't. And, and just to clear things up, this is not the same Michael Mann who directed The Last of the Mohicans. No, it is not. That, yeah. that also confuses the Google searches. Yeah, yeah, no. No, this guy has nothing to do with the entertainment world, right? So why would, you know, I'm just now I'm just sort of like talking out loud. Why would Michael Mann do this? Well, he obviously, I, it seems to me why why anybody does this kind of stuff is because they need money, and he saw a way to grab some cash or maybe to pay off his obligation at Pioneer Bank. I I don't know. You know, I can only I can only guess. I I, I think he obviously had some financial difficulties and was trying to, you know, however he could get money, um, and he thought this was a good idea. It's interesting. Maybe he was trying to get the money out of Pioneer Bank and they froze the account, which would mean that he didn't get it. But then there's the question of what happened to the $16 million that Pioneer Bank had loaned him. Right. Maybe, maybe that's gone and Pioneer Bank will end up being on the hook. Right. And there should, and and there should be $26 million in that account, which Pioneer Bank declared in writing there was only $19 million in that account. Uh, so we don't know where the money went. Maybe he was able to, and I'm just speculating here, maybe he was able to get some of it out before they froze the account. Yeah, perhaps. Your guess is as good as mine. In the ripple effect of the impact of this crime, I mean, it's Pioneer Bank possibly, it's cachet, it's the, the bank in Florida. It's also legislation. It's thousands of employees, yeah. thousands of employees, yet possible legislation coming down the pipe. Even the... um. My payroll HR employees were affected. I saw that email where they told them to meet in, in, in a liquor store parking lot to pick up their personal belongings. Like yeah. every like if the ripple effects of who this has been, this is impacted is really really uh, far reaching. And David, you you found that story about how the New York um, state legislature is now considering legislation to more well, to regulate payroll companies like this, payroll services like this, which have never been regulated. Well, the payroll services is a pretty unregulated unregulated business. Uh, but again, we've never had a problem like this with a payroll provider, ever. 22 years has never happened. Um, and I assume it's not happened to our competitors like NatPay, or they would have protected themselves against it. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's the whole thing is, um, is very... Uh, Enlightening. Uh, it's just horrible. I mean, in the like I said, the the employees will all be made whole. If they haven't already, they will be. Um, 
And so what the, uh, the FBI said to me, we realize that you're the victim here once the employees are made whole. So, um, but it, at a tremendous cost uh, uh, to both the employees, the employers, and to us. David, I don't have any more questions. Wendy, um, I feel like you filled in a lot of gaps that <laughs> we so. were in our head because we were trying to piece along this timeline ourselves based on a new every day there was two new pieces of news, right. two new yeah, pieces I've of news. So it just, it's just nice to hear yeah. the whole story. And I think our listeners are really appreciate hearing this whole entire story. Yeah. I just, it's important to walk through the process. People don't understand how the ACH system works. You know, a lot of people think it, the money automatically goes from the employer account to the employee account. It doesn't work that way. It's a little more complicated than that. Again, cachets personally for me, I mean, I've spoken with a lot of these employees directly and, you know, the stories are, they're just awful. I mean, one woman's child had an asthma attack and she couldn't get medication. I, I you know, my heart goes out to them. And so, um, you know, this man has created so much havoc. He does belong in jail. I don't know what, what's going to happen, but that's, that's where I think he should be. But I appreciate your time and thanks for having me on. Maybe we have you on again. When we finally figure all this <laughs> okay. stuff out. As always, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Blake T. Oliver. And you, David? I'm at David Leary. And we will continue on covering the My Payroll HR fraud, payroll fraud story for you. And, uh, and thank you, Wendy, again for your time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. You're welcome.